Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramley John. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of Growth Marketing Today. In this episode, I get to chat with one of my good buddies, Elan Marco, who I met in business school. And what we chat about is this thing called growth mindset. A growth mindset is people who believe that their talents can be developed through hard work, good strategies, and input from others. And this is the opposite of something called the fixed mindset. People who believe that their talents are innate gifts and it's not something that you can work on. It's just people who are very smart and have a lot of energies are the ones that are great at what they do. Now, what I find with a lot of growth people in design, in product, and in marketing is that they don't just do growth for the companies or the startups or the business. They also do a lot of growth for themselves because they know that when they grow themselves, they grow their business, they grow their users, and they grow everything about what they do in their professional life when they grow their personal life. And what we get to hear about Elan is he did a lot of things to push himself to be uncomfortable. And sometimes it sounds illegal. And that's helped him become a growth marketer, a growth person for a lot of startups that he's worked with. Right now, he's doing Business Basecamp. And it's just a group of community for people who have this growth mindset and pushing them and pushing people to be uncomfortable. I don't want to hold you back anymore. I'm super excited to chat with Elan about this. So... Without any further ado, here's my chat with Elan Marco. Hey everyone, I have Elan here. I'm pretty excited about it. I've worked with him before. I've known him for a while. We went to the same school, Ivy. I did my MBA there. You did your, your HBA there. Mm-hmm. How's it going, Elan? Doing wonderful. Man, you have. I'm here at your place. Looks absolutely nice. Thank you. I'm pretty pumped to talk about growth marketing with you. I know you've been doing growth for a while with a bunch of businesses. Uh, before that, maybe you can talk a little bit about your career progression because I know like growth itself is is very vague and like a lot of people get to it in many different ways, right? Right. So tell tell me a little bit about like how your career progressed to where you're at now. I've had one of those really interesting careers where you know I'd love to say it's like I went in a straight line from point A to point <laughs> B, but I feel like. It more has been a circular loop of tangents that has led nice. from A to C to E to Z <laughs> to back to B, all while moving forward. Myself, I mean, I started I started businesses when I was really young, doing nice. really silly little things like the lemonade stand, you know, selling fireworks when I was in university. <laughs> Legal oh, fireworks. You know what? It was legal. Although okay. every year they tried to shut us down. We'd do it for May 2 for a weekend here in Canada. <laughs> nice. But the few thousand bucks we'd make every year on that weekend would be amazing. Could be a, our summer money. Nice. Right? But what it taught me at a really young age was understanding how to sell things to people because we would have even the fire, like every single thing we worked on was was such a great lesson. Even selling fireworks to thousands of people as a kid. I mean, we had no prices up. So... Talk about arbitrage. Like we changed our prices constantly depending <laughs> on the person. The person was walking up with like a right. set of Porsche keys. Yeah. You know, we would come up with all these different tactics to sell and upsell people, which is really funny. One of which was actually we would leave behind like our biggest, biggest fireworks set that was maybe like three, four, five hundred bucks. Right. We'd leave it in the trunk of one of our cars. 
And when someone came up looking like a baller, we'd be like, listen, like if you're looking for something crazy, like a real serious <laughs> show, we have a set of fireworks that we're not legally allowed right. to set outside yeah. because of how much explosive power it has in it. Right. Anyways, then we'd walk them to the car and there would be this whole experience and they'd feel like they would come out left yeah. with a story. And I guess I never realized the significance of that till this moment right now as we're talking. Because later in university, I started a wing restaurant that, oh, out wow. of my residence room. Okay, Let's keep going. Which is like… <laughs> I love wings. Yeah, I yeah. love wings. I love wings. Right. Uh, it was… <laughs> so I was… A, we, we both went to the Richard Ivey School of Bistern, right. of Western… At, in London, Ontario. And um, so even there, you know, I was running a DJ business up until then in high school. And then this wing business just came about from, well, one, it's just kind of a tangent backstory. I had a friend who his dad really loved gambling. Okay. <laughs> and so he wanted to start a blackjack card counting t- team. <laughs> And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And I looked online, I found some simulation software that can simulate blackjack and and, uh, teaches you how to card count through a simulator. And so I got myself to a super speed simulation. And um, anyways, long story short, I went to a charity casino and my card counting worked like a charm (laughs) because they had one deck, which is like… Not smart. Is very easy for me as a card counter. And anyways, I ended up winning out the entire casino. Like I probably had as many chips as all like 200 people that were in the same room. And so I took all the all the gift cards from that, bought all our equipment, like all these different deep fryers and fans oh, and like equipment. Started this wing joint in my room that was invite only. Right. And again, like it ended up creating this experience that people came in, mm. we'd lock the door, and right. then it was a wild party. Interesting. But none of it was ever for money. It was all it was all just for the experience. Mm. So, anyways, that's long story short. When I ended university, I took a focus in entrepreneurship and I thought, well, while everyone's trying to get investment banking jobs, consulting jobs, I took a focus in entrepreneurship and started a business. So my my roommate and I started our, well, I would say like the first legitimate business, which was an outdoors company called Overhang Adventures. Nice. I still run to this day. But honestly, I have like dozens of different startup stories and ridiculousness like that, even as I grew up. Nice. Sorry that for the one. No, 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 it's great. No, I love, I love, I think, I love stories like that. I think it, I didn't even know that I've known you for a while. Yeah. That you threw this wing party and this whole like hack to get people to buy fireworks. What I'm finding is that what I heard from you particularly is that you were doing things that would make normal people feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Right, there's something about you that you just embrace uh, uncomfortability, which I find with a lot of growth people. They're like, "Well, you know, it it's never been done, but I'm I'm gonna do it because I think it'll work." Yeah, I I'm absolutely obsessed with the idea of being of testing and being a little bit uncomfortable yeah. or a lot uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and yeah, I've I've taken on different life challenges mm. to overcome fears. And I think it translates into business as well, but I've I've done it in my personal life mm. like with different things I've been scared of. Right. What kind of things have you done to overcome fear? Because I know you've done a lot of like yeah. personal growth projects that for me was like, this guy's crazy. <laughs> but you're having fun. People, you're bringing, you know, like 
examples I can think of is like the high five run, like just playing guitar in the subway. Mm-hmm. You know, like what what kind of personal projects, growth projects have you done to, right. to the listeners who don't know what I just said? Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I could explain some of this stuff. Right. So for example. Uh, so once a year, I run a retreat for entrepreneurs nice. called Supernacular Weekend. Cool. So we'll be going into our fourth year now. Last year, we had two different weekends. About 90 entrepreneurs come wow. through. And in the weekend, it's an experiential weekend. And so, you know, people come in looking to reflect on the past year, set some big goals and challenge each other to step outside of what's comfortable for them Mm. to think bigger. And then there's this community that forms where everyone can help challenge, support, keep each other accountable. And I remember back to one of the first ones we ran, there was there was a, a workshop I'd been doing on habits, how to hack your habits. Yeah. And I would say the basis of that started 10 years earlier. Right. When I, I was, we were talking just before the show about rock climbing. Like right. Rock climbing is probably my biggest passion outside of entrepreneurship. Nice. Yeah. And so 10 years ago, I was really scared of falling mm. while rock climbing, but I wanted to be really, really good at climbing and I wanted to travel the world to do it. And the reality is that when I get really tired and pumped, you know, all these negative thoughts come into my head. So I spent two years dedicated to taking thousands of falls and overcoming the psychological element and the physiological element and really firsthand experiencing the connection between the mind and the body Mm. and how they impact each other and how is intuition, like where is intuition stored in the body Mm. and realizing different techniques of how to calm the mind through the body and the nervous system. Right. And I guess it continues now in, in like different practices that I do. Like I've, I started doing this Wim Hof. Have you heard of Wim Hof breathing? No. What is that? It's really cool. Uh, I mean, it's something that's becoming more right. mainstream now, but it's this certain type of breath work where you do these intense breathing for like, let's say 30 breaths, you exhale and then you hold with oh. no breath in your lungs and you you go into ice water or you do like okay. extreme things and it's amazing. Anyways, it's amazing the experience nice. that happens. And if you look at any salespeople, so yeah. part of the work I do is people trying to sell stuff, right? Uh, they're they're in, right. they're trying to sell or they're right. trying to market. And something that people need to master is their own state. Right. Of like how to get in that state of flow and it's different for different people. Right. I keep hearing something from you over and over again. I keep talking about experiences. And it seems like that's an important word for you to grow a business or to do growth. Yes. Uh, Can you describe a little bit about like your your growth process? Let's say a business comes up to you. It's like, hey, Elon, I need help with my growth marketing. What what does your process look like? Do you look at the experience? You look at the customers? What what is your process? So, okay. I guess I have some philosophical things that I believe in that kind of drives the way I do stuff. So I would say on a spectrum of some people value a lot of, uh, there's like breadth and depth. So some people, their product is something that just reaches a lot of people but goes shallow. And other people, they want to go deep. So my philosophy is always depth. Nice. And so I would rather market really hard to few people but go real deep with those people and I feel like creating the depth ends up creating its own marketing effect. Nice. Once you've gotten people right. enough excited about it. So when I work with my clients, I don't have many clients. 
it's not like I'm working with thousands, thousands yeah. of clients. I have my set like dozen of entrepreneurs with their businesses and we go deep. So what happens is we, my, my process starts with an analysis. I mean, like most yeah. people do, right? You're trying to do some back work. But what I like to do is there is, to get a, a company to grow, there is, I used to, years ago when I started, I would just focus on creating business plans and strategy. Yeah. And I thought that, okay, you know, we go to business school. Right. We learn these great yeah, strategies. That's what you learn. Yeah. It's what we learn. But then very quickly you realize, shoot, I can give you the best roadmap. Right. But like, if you don't actually follow the roadmap, right. then it's useless. Yeah. So with that in mind, I've shifted my approach. And so it starts with, okay, let me get to know the business. Mm. So I do a walkthrough of their business. So if they have a physical space, whatever it is, I meet the team. I talk to the team. I want to experience their product or service. So whatever it is, I want to actually experience it. And not only do I want to experience it, like I want you to sell me on it. Right. Yeah, because I want to I want to live the experience mm. of the client to get into the client's mind. Not by client, I mean not my clients, but their clients. Right. Mind. Because what typically happens is the moment I start walking through and doing this discovery, things start up appearing. Right. I'll give you an example. I started with a company last year, and they were they called me in because their revenues were going down. And they were kind of coming in to be like, hey, help steer this ship yeah. back to correction. Okay, I come in and do my my analysis that I, that I typically do. I grab all the metrics that I can get, whatever is available, financial metrics, like marketing metrics. Nice. By the way, when someone starts showing you their financial metrics, right. it's kind of like, they're pulling down their pants. <laughs> like, because all, like everything, it's all there. It's all there. Like I, they become naked. Right. Right. Like it's really vulnerable. But the right. moment someone becomes vulnerable and can let someone in to be like, this is the reality. Right. Because it's very personal. Yeah. It right. Is. And a lot of times from the outside, everyone's business looks amazing. Right. But then I see people's business. With the moment you start looking at the numbers, like accountants, right. accountants know what the heck is going <laughs> on with everyone. Right. So, once they peel back that layer right. and I see what's going on with the metrics, we look at, I try to look through trends of peaks and valleys and understanding like what changed? Why, why this, why right. that? At the end of the day, what I'm trying to boil everything down to is like, where does the success actually come from? There, right. There's this great book called The One Thing. Right. And I would say I use that premise of like, what is the one thing that's mm. been generating these, the, the growth? Right. And so uh, I'm this one example of a client of mine, they're in a service industry and I looked at all of their metrics and there were a bunch of challenges. Yeah. So I think what, what I do a little bit differently is, so I'll line up like, okay, there's five different things that need to happen for this company to grow, for example. And they're all like dominoes. Right. And the key to it all is lining up the dominoes in the right sequence. Right. Like, for example this one client, their closing ratio was really low. Right. Their closing ratio was 10%. In this industry, I would expect it to be at least 20, 25%. So the closing ratio is really low. Like in that moment, if we increase their marketing spend, right? And we got them more leads. Right. Their closing ratio is so low and yeah, they're spending so much resources just closing right. that there's actually no point of getting more leads. 
Then I look at profitability. Profitability was also lacking, like their pricing strategy mm. and a whole bunch of things. Okay, mm. that's lacking. So they had a bunch, also like different financial controls they didn't have in place. Okay, cool. But at the end of the day, like unless I, when I line it up as to, okay, you've got these four challenges. What's the challenge that needs to happen first? Mm. That's the domino that makes every other thing better. And I'm like, unless we get your closing ratio up, right? let's not focus on anything else. So it's like for three months, all we focused on was increasing closing ratio. So, okay, how do I increase closing ratio? That's a good question. All right. So then what I do is, first off, I told them for the next three months, I'm only focusing on this one thing. I don't care about anything else. All right. I care about is closing ratio and right. getting the one metric up. So with this client, I wa- I shadowed them on a whole bunch of different calls, right. calls, um, sales meetings, etc. Uh, as well as I call, I got a list of their past clients. I got a list of their past clients that they liked working with. I got a list of their past potential leads that didn't right. hire them, and I did this sort of mystery calls. Nice, where I could just talk openly. Nothing complex. Like anybody can do these calls. But even better was I had my client on some of these calls. Right. So that they could hear firsthand and have empathy towards the clients. Because cool. some clients were saying like bad things. Wow. And they had to take it, which was good. They can't be defensive. They can be like, no, that's yeah, not true. They Shut just up. have to listen. And it's good. At yeah. the end of the day, it's good because they have to realize what needs to be fixed. It's really hard to be hidden in the face with truth. Yeah. But it's what's needed. So anyways, so after that, I realized through his his sales process that he had lined up, it's just like, it, it was missing so many elements. Yeah. It was missing a whole bunch of elements that lend to the psychology mm. that makes someone want to buy from you. So, okay, let's re, so we recreate his sales process. Cool. That, that client went from 10% closing ratio to 50 Honestly, I would have been happy if it went to 2025, 20, <laughs> went up to 50. I'm like, okay, amazing. Now you've got your closing ratio up. Right. Now let's get you more leads. Mm, okay, cool. So now let's look back at your past marketing activities. Yeah. Let's determine which one of these makes the most sense money-wise to spend on. And let's let's increase spend on your marketing bucks. Nice. Cool. Okay. So now we've doubled your leads and your closing ratio has gone up 50%. Great. But then now, okay, so sure, now you're t- you've got more jobs in the pipeline, right? You've got more revenue, but we're still lacking on profitability, right? So now let's figure out how to make, how to, how to make yeah. you more profitable. So now it's about like tighter financial controls. Now it's yeah. like expense cutting. Now it's um, yeah, figuring out financing and things like that for different aspects of the business. So it's more about lining up the sequence to me. I, you know, you, you talk a lot about growth marketing, right? right. I, and I'm like, I'm not really like growth marketer. You know, I've never thought of myself as a growth marketer, but yeah, at the end of the day, I, I don't care where the growth comes from. Mm. I just want there to be growth and for the entrepreneur to feel good. And we can only focus on very few things at a time. Right. Because like realistically, there's so much. It's so complicated. Like a business has a million moving parts. It does. Yeah. It's fascinating. You don't consider yourself as a growth marketer, but said a lot of things that I, I was, I've been talking to a lot of growth marketers and you just did it. First of all, I think traditionally marketing is seen as like just getting people to the door. Right. But you talked about how it's not just that. It's, it's you have to look at the whole funnel. You're looking at the close rate. 
I think that's the first thing that I noticed. The second thing that I noticed that you that you're in the process is really growth marketing is your user research. Your the whole qualitative feedback is mm-hmm. traditionally not a marketing thing. It's become part of like the whole UX movement. Right. User research is actually part of the UX movement. It's been brought into marketing. It's interesting because like getting qualitative feedback, you said truth hurts, but you need it, right? Yes. And <laughs> I'm sure you, you're you like incredibly data-driven, right? right? So I'd be even, lo- I would love to know the way that you go about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's very similar. I think yeah. like, I think you're right. I think just knowing, I love how you put it, dominoes. Uh, I've never heard it put that way. Like just getting the dominoes line up. Mm-hmm. You call it dominoes, I call it market funnel. Right. Right. You're lining up the funnel. You're seeing where pe- people are falling off. You also did user research. You, you talk to people. You try to get like the why. The why be, data gives you the what, right? Mm. But talking to people gets you the why. Why? What's wrong and why aren't people closing? Right. Which is fascinating. And I think people don't dig enough on the why. Yes. And I think it's easy to look at numbers. Yeah. I think people will like, okay, it's easy to look at your numbers on Facebook right. or to like what happened. I think that's the part that's easy to be not personal. Okay, yeah, I'll look at the numbers. Cool. But the story behind the numbers is it's hard to get. Yes. And it's easier. It's easy if you actually talk to people. I think if goes, you start talking to people, yeah, they'll so tell you. Like they know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it goes back to what you, your story in the beginning. I'm trying to tie it back. People are uncomfortable. People mm-hmm. are uncomfortable with people saying that their baby is ugly. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people, CEOs, CMOs, all the C level people, the company is their baby. And when right. uh, when somebody's like, "Yo, your baby is butt ugly." <laughs> People are people. People are gonna get hurt. It's personal. So like, I think people are would like to hide behind a wall, look look at data, and be comfortable. And it's like, yep, I've done my data research. I'm good. But mm-hmm. talking to customers is is actually really scary for a lot of people. I think that's why the best leaders are the ones that listen. Mm, yeah. Like, I I you know I had <laughs> there's so many stories around this, but. Yeah, I think it's about actually listening and being willing, being willing mm. to listen. And that's why I guess people like you and me, we get hired because we're external. Right. And we do take it nothing yeah. personal. <laughs> like I I I like the fact that it's not personal. Yeah. And to be honest, it would be much harder to do this work for myself on my own business mm. because it still is personal. Yeah. And that's where I think anybody, any company or anyone listening that if they have employees, like I think people underestimate the power of their employees right. and the, the employees can do this work yeah, or bringing people in to help do the work. Yeah. Because sometimes it is hard to look, <laughs> to, to separate yourself yeah. from it. No, it's so true. I think one thing I really like feel is really part of growth marketing is the word empathy. You said you, when mm-hmm. you said it like that, when you said it earlier, I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. It's like, you, you, have, you have empathy for your employees, but when you really empathize with your customers, you start understanding where people are falling off and not understanding in, in the whole funnel, in the whole dominoes you're talking about where they're falling off. Right. So I think empathy through uh, asking questions would be great. Is there any other ways that you would uh, try to get quality feedback? Have you done surveys in the past? Has that worked out? 
I've done different types of… Because you've done some crazy <laughs> yeah. stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. In terms of different ways of getting qualitative feedback. Or just like yeah. your… Yeah. Um, something I've done with, with different leaders I've worked with yeah. was doing kind of like a 360 assessment beyond the entrepreneur themselves. So for example, getting the entrepreneur… So this was like one of the entrepreneurs I'm thinking of. It's a very small organization, few employees, but you know he's at the top of it, and there's not many people to to run ideas by. And but e- either way, the method I went through was getting the the owner of the company to have employees give him the give the leader feedback, but I also got him to reach out to his network. Of like his few closest friends nice. and family members, yeah, and because these people know know you so well and so intimately, and at the end of the day, you know the feedback comes in, and I go through the feedback with the client, and we picked. It was great because we ended up picking a couple things that that he would commit to getting better at. That he thought, you know what, if he got better at these two things. And he got better at that as a skill for life. That would move the needle on nice. growth of the company. And he went back to to uh, to every single person that gave him feedback, apologized wow. for for you know not being good at those things, and saying he's making a commitment to getting better at it. And you know that's the kind of thing that most leaders would not be willing to do. It's comfortable, right? Yeah. But you know you want your employees to step up. Yeah. And at the same point, they're getting frustrated right. with leaders as well. If you're being honest, like you look at most organizations, there's yeah. there's things that, for example, if you said, you know, if one of the things was listening, yeah. right? You maybe you weren't as a leader the best of a listener, but you would tell the person, listen, I'm sorry, I've now recognized I haven't been the best of a listener. Yeah. I'm gonna make a conscious effort to listening. And you can even rank rank me on that when we do this feedback in six months from now. Interesting. So it makes it duly accountable and it lets me take myself out of the picture because now instead of the entrepreneur being accountable to me, now they're accountable to all the people that they see all the time, which is sweet because then it's systematically embedded Mm. and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like Ramley, if I told you, listen, you know, I've been thinking about your feedback. You told me I'm not the best of a listener. I think I could do better. I really wanted to get better. And for the next six months, every interaction we have, like make note of that. And it lets you see me evolve as a person. Yeah. Because let's say I became a better listener in six months from now. You might see me as me from six months ago when I was a terrible listener. Yeah. Because that's the label and like the idea you have in your head. But I've grown. So now that you know that I'm going to that direction, you can now come with me, mm. which is cool. That's so good. I mean, I really feel like when you do that as a leader, mm-hmm. you, like you said, it becomes systematic, but it also trickles down as a culture in the organization. Yeah. And it, it becomes almost as a, a growth strategy. Like customers love employees who are happy, right? When it's like you ever walked into a McDonald's and uh, the employees are just sad. It's like, I don't know if I want to buy my Big Mac today. <laughs> right? right, right. right. When employees are happy, mm-hmm. customers are happy. Right. Right. So that's fascinating that you, you're seeing it that way. 
Well, and the key to all of it is it needs to come from the person. Like no one can change like yeah. that growth mindset. Like, hey, yeah. Ramley, if I was like, hey, Ramley, you know, you really suck at this or you need to get better at this. <laughs> right. You're going you're gonna to get defensive and you're going to be like, well, pff, screw you, you know, <laughs> whatever. True. I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. But if I was like, hey, Ramley, what do you want to get better at? Mm. Cool. How can I support you to get better yes. at that? Now, like, now we're talking like, I'm elevating and empowering you yeah. versus making you feel bad and almost condescending. Yeah. And uh, anyways. I, I noticed like you're so driven by uh, improving yourself. And I find a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people in, in the growth mindset, you call it, that's very, very key. They have that, that same mentality. I need to improve myself. Mm-hmm. Where's your drive coming from? Like where, where's, where does it come from? Is it like you were born with it? Or was there like a certain moment in your life where it's like… That was it. Like I just want to get better as a human being, as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I think I've always been introspective, and like I remember as a kid, really loving like philosophy and things like that, like studying of the mind. And I love social dynamics. I love people watching. And I think after you know years after university, I came back to you know I was back in Toronto, right. and I felt like. I felt like a piece of me was missing. The mm. piece of me that was in university. Right. That was that had a lot of fun. That was really playful. Just like something was missing. And that was, I was talking, I started meeting up with another friend of mine who's also an entrepreneur. And we started meeting up for breakfast and we started having conversations about the things we were having challenges with, with our, with our individual businesses. And I found through those conversations and that, that vulnerability of like having someone that I can have those right. conversations with, it got me more focused on how to make things better. Yeah. And how to find mm. solutions to these things. And it was great. And that that friend of mine, his name is Blake Fly. Anyways, him and I have been consistently getting together. Um, you know, we ended up moving in together as roommates after university. Nice. With the goal of growing, of growing in certain areas, mm. business, health, community and we consistently did that once a week we checked in for like three hours before work on all the aspects and i i think i never had that dialogue like i never had that with my family or or with other people i think women tend to have this is a generalization but are more open with those things Mm, yeah but anyways i think through all of that so every week just having that conversation open conversation about growth it was so consistent. It was in our schedules. Every quarter, we left the city, and and we spent like two entire days reflecting on the past quarter, visioning out the new quarter. And so every time we envisioned a new quarter, it was like, well, how do we have to grow to to reach that or right. accomplish it? And uh, I guess that was the basis of then starting these retreats nice. that happen every January yeah. with Supernacular Weekend, which is all about reflecting on the past so year, cool. visioning the new yeah. year, and setting some new habits that can so help cool. get us there. So I think you just mentioned it. What is the website? Is there any promotion you want to give out to the listeners? I, I, w- I want this to sure. just be a moment for you to just share out anything that you want to share out to the listeners. Yeah, well, I guess if anybody does want to join the this weekend or community that happens Supernacular Weekend, it's just supernacularweekend.com. Nice. Yeah, my my website for, for my consulting work is businessbasecamp.ca. 
but yeah, I, I mean, anyways, actually, we should talk about you getting there. The moment you mentioned it, I was like, yeah, I think, I think I'll do, I think I'll do that. I've been trying to do some new things, so yeah, I'll show up there. Just, nice. as, just before We've we got it on record. Oh, oh man, I, now <laughs> yeah, we'll need to do a post, post, post retreat follow up um, podcast. That'll be cool. <laughs> what the heck happened? Yeah, because like I feel like growth, growth marketing is as much as about having a growth mindset and can't do growth in marketing if you don't do growth on yourself. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like this constant look to improve. Yeah. I think that's the common thread with entrepreneurs though, is that they're always looking ahead Mm. rather than focused on like what's What's now, what's absolutely now or what's a month ago or a year ago. Yeah. I think it's naturally embedded in all of us (laughs) that are running, running something. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Is there any final tips that you have for listeners in terms of like this whole growth mindset about like any other tips that you would have? I I think what is what I've seen work best for me is getting outside of yourself, like having someone else yeah. to bounce ideas off of and to have an objective perspective on what's happening because we're so close to it. Right. We can't we can't see it. Yeah. And then the other thing is I think there's so many there's so much out there. And simplifying it down to like the few dominoes that I was mentioning, the few dominoes that will move the needle and commit to doing one or two of them really well for Mm. some amount of time. Nice. Until you can actually see the result. Yeah. Yeah. Good idea. Well, thanks so much, Keelan. I really appreciate you opening your place up to chat about growth. All right. (laughs) Let's wrap. Thanks for listening in on this episode with Elon Marco. I hope you learned something about what it means to have growth mindset and how it can help you do growth for your startup if you do growth for yourself. And if you liked it, why don't you hit subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you already subscribed, you can also sign up for our Insider Club newsletter where I share with you our latest giveaways, news, I'll also give you a heads up on who I'm going to be chatting with next. And you can send me your questions via email and I will give you a shout out on that episode. And you can do this by going to growthmarketing.today to sign up for our Insiders Club newsletter. Now, let's talk about next week because I have something special for all of you. I have the VP of Growth of 500 Pixels. Her name is Sylvia. And 500 Pixels is one of the top startups around the world. If you haven't checked it out, it's at 500px.com. And the cool thing about Sylvia is she's worked at Google. She's worked at eBay. She's worked at a bunch of other startups. And she is one of the top growth marketers that a lot of people look up to. So don't miss that episode. Hit subscribe right now on iTunes. Uh, Google Play or wherever you listen to a podcast so you don't miss that episode next week. Other than that, this is Ramley from Growth Marketing Today and don't stop growing. Passion, passion,